Uh, we are in the Life of Christ, lesson number 17 uh, this evening. Uh, the, uh, again, number 17. As we, uh, on Sunday morning, we talked about John chapter 4, uh, the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So if you're here with us Sunday morning, we, we looked at that account, uh, pretty much verses uh, 1 through 45 of John chapter 4, and we're going to pick up right at the end of John chapter 4 here in a moment and uh, conclude our thoughts there. But again, uh, if we recall, uh, Jesus is on his way uh, back north. And again, I have the map up here just to kind of help us because uh, uh, we're, we're talking a, a lot of city locations, a lot of uh, land uh, is named throughout these scriptures, and so it's good just to keep us reminded of where Jesus is. And again, he is he in John chapter four, beginning of John chapter four. He is here in Samaria. Again, uh, the, those three uh, land masses of Palestine, of Israel, uh, Galilee at the north, Samaria in the middle, and then Judea at the south. And so Jesus is on his way back up towards Galilee. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that he had to pass through Samaria. It's almost as he was compelled to go through Samaria. Remember, we mentioned that a lot of the Jews uh, would walk uh, their path around Samaria. It'd take them maybe an extra three days in travel time. But they did not want to travel through Samaria because of the relationship that they had with the Samaritans. But again, John chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that Jesus was compelled or had to go through Samaria. And of course, this is where we, he encounters the Samaritan woman. You know, Jesus, you know, he dismisses all the norms of the day. Right? Uh, he, he's talking to a woman in public. Right? A Jew did not do that. He's talking to a Samaritan in public. Again, a Jew would not do that. And he's also talking uh, to uh, an individual who... Uh, in that culture, uh, of course, uh, was uh, deemed uh, a sinner, uh, an immoral woman, because as Jesus uh, uh, lets her know there in uh, verse 17 and 18, that uh, when he asked her th that uh, about her husband, you remember she said that she had no husband. And Jesus then, of course, said, well, you've said that correctly, but you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And this, of course, shocks her uh, to the point that she now uh, she's now believing that, you know, Jesus is someone uh, special. Um, and again, we pointed out the fact that, you know, this is a good example for us of Jesus uh, reaching out to everyone with the gospel message. Remember John chapter three, he speaks to Nicodemus, who is an elite in the community and the Jewish uh, religion. And now he's talking to the Samaritan woman. And he's not excluding anyone from the gospel message. And uh, we, we also made the point that, you know, he, uh, as he went to the well to draw water, uh, he used something physical like, like water to uh, get her attention off of physical things and onto spiritual things because he offered her uh, that living water, that eternal uh, water. And it was a great uh, lesson that we saw in Jesus uh, evangelizing this woman, how he you know, took something and got, it, got her to focus on spiritual things. And again, we saw her faith uh, progress throughout the whole uh, discussion that they had. Right? At first, she thought of him as just a Jew. You know, he was just a Jew traveling through Samaria looking for water. 
And then uh, she believed that he was a prophet because of the things that he had said about her past. And then it got to the point where uh, this can't be the Messiah, can it? Uh, she was convinced, again, that he was uh, or was now the Messiah. And then I love that passage where it says that she left her water pot and went into town. Right? She was so uh, excited about what she had just discovered, that this is Jesus, this is or this is the Christ, the Messiah, that she forgot the whole reason she was there to draw water. And she went into town, left her water pot, and she went and told everyone. And the townspeople, of course, they came back, uh, invited Jesus to stay for a while. And they even said that, uh, you know, this, uh, we now believe that you are the Christ as well. And not just because this woman says so, but because we've seen and heard things that you've said and done. And so, um, we now believe, you know, and again, we made the point uh, Sunday morning that this was another good example of uh, Jesus teaching us here uh, that, you know, our faith needs to be our own. Uh, it doesn't, we can't live off our parents' faith, our grandparents' faith, but we need to make uh, the faith our own. So this evening, this evening's lesson, as Jesus again is going further north, again, he's leaving Samaria. He's going back to the, the region of Galilee, and we're going to look at, uh, unfortunately, the, the, the curriculum uh, has uh, a lot of different, it's including a lot of different accounts here tonight. That we're, so we're going to be looking at quite a bit of a lot of these uh, miracles that he's performing as he goes back into Galilee. Uh, we could probably spend a class on each of these, uh, but because of uh, because of its condensed nature, uh, they decided to uh, put all of these into one lesson. And so, we're, again, we're just going to get a quick overview of these miraculous events that Jesus is performing in Galilee, his first uh, Galilean uh, ministry. And so let's take a look at John chapter 4. And again, let's notice starting in verse 43. Uh, this is right after the conclusion of the account with the Samaritan woman. So after the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. Uh, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also uh, went to the feast. Okay, and so... You know, we're just setting the stage here that Jesus is on his way back into the region of Galilee. Uh, this is, you know, this is the region where he grew up. This is uh, the region uh, that he's most notably uh, familiar with. And this is where we're going to notice again tonight is where he's going to set up basically home base, uh, where he's going to set up uh, most of his ministry is going to revolve around a certain city. And so we'll notice that here in a second. So let's. Let's look at this, this first miracle that Jesus performs as he goes back into the region of Galilee, starting in John chapter 4, starting in verse 46 through the end of the chapter. So therefore, he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee... He went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, 
you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Okay, so again, Jesus spends a couple of days in Samaria, and now he's up going back. And we, we pointed to uh, this map, actually, it has Cana on there. And so again, uh, Cana is where Jesus performs his very first miracle. Uh, it's a very small, very insignificant city, but he performs that first miracle there at that wedding feast of turning the water into wine. And now he's back. And again, he is performing another uh, miracle here in Cana of Galilee. Of course, this one uh, is going to be different uh, because there is a man, uh, the healing of the nobleman's son. So we have a nobleman, uh, a man of great stature within the Jewish community, comes to Jesus and he requests that Jesus, you know, come and to save uh, his son. His son is dying his son is not doing well. He wants him to heal him. But notice what Jesus says there in verse 48. Uh, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply uh, will not believe. Right? Jesus is giving a strong rebuke, uh, not necessarily to the nobleman, uh, not necessarily to him, because we notice again he says you people. Uh, but he's giving a strong rebuke because, you know, why did the people there in this region uh, have faith in Jesus or why were they always surrounding Jesus? Yeah, that, that's probably uh, what we're seeing here is, you know, the people uh, aren't necessarily, uh, you know, they're full on for Jesus, but they want to see the miracles or they want to be healed of something. And so uh, Jesus, again, he rebukes them uh, by saying, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Uh, but the, again, the royal official, he comes to Jesus. He says, sir, come down before my child dies. Now, again, um, you know, I, I like to make this point just so that, we're, you know, we're on the same page. But, you know, again, Jesus is here in around Cana and he's and the, the boy is in Capernaum. And the Bible says Jesus, he requests that Jesus come down again. We're traveling north. But again, the Bible is not talking in, in directional terms like that, but it's talking in elevation. Uh, the C, Capernaum. Uh, here on the Sea of Galilee is, you know, below sea level. So uh, to come down, of course, you know, Jesus would be, you know, going uh, down uh, topographically uh, rather than directionally. And so uh, he asked Jesus, he requests Jesus to come down to Capernaum, make his way there. But notice what is unique about this miracle? Jesus is not near the person, it's 
Right, right. Uh, this happens a couple of times in Scripture. Uh, actually, it happens three other times. Uh, we'll see later on when Jesus heals a centurion's servant and when he heals the, the Syrophoenician woman's daughter and also when he heals the ten lepers uh, later on in his ministry. But these are all accounts where he heals from a distance. Right? He doesn't have to be in the vicinity of people to heal them. I, we, we, we know that today there are some who you know, claim to be, be faith healers, right? And they, you know, they put their hands upon a person and, you know, or shake them or do something, and, uh, and apparently it's supposed to you know, heal them. Well, Jesus didn't need to do that. He didn't need to be right there to touch an individual uh, to heal them. He could do that from any sort of distance. And really that's what, uh, what we get out of this lesson here. As uh, this first, or this the second miracle in Cana, but this first miracle as Jesus begins this Galilean uh, ministry is that you know he heals from a distance. He's showing us that he has power uh, to do this, and we ought, we ought to take him uh, at his word for that. If you would, I'm going to flip to Matthew chapter four. You know, again, a lot of these accounts uh, that we're going to look at. This evening uh, are written by all uh, of the gospel writers. You know, some of them Matthew, Mark, and Luke will c- include. Some of them, you know, maybe just John. Or, or we we got to go to all four gospels to get the bits and pieces together and put them in a chronological order. And so, as Jesus uh, performs this miracle in Cana, uh, he's again he's moving uh, north. He's moving uh, in a lower sea level. Uh, but Matthew chapter 4, verse, starting in verse 13, uh, tells, well, let's start in verse 12. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 uh, says this. Uh, now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, uh, he came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So what we're really getting here again, as I mentioned earlier, is that uh, Jesus is setting up his base of operations here in Capernaum. Again, Capernaum is just on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. This is going to be a very uh, important place, a very important location for his ministry. Uh, you know, it, it, everything's going to start from here and end back here uh, before uh, his three years are up and die, dying in, in, back down in Jerusalem. Uh, but he sets up his operations here. And uh, in the next lesson, uh, on Sunday morning, we'll talk about him calling his disciples. And he's going to uh, do that uh, from here, uh, but we won't take the time uh, this evening to talk about that. But we'll see that Sunday morning. But notice uh, with those passages we just read here that uh, Matthew is quoting the, the prophet Isaiah in verses 15 and 16 uh, of this, this region uh, of you know, what is the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali? What's that in reference to? Yeah. 
You know, those are uh, two of the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Back when uh, Joshua conquered the, this whole land, right, this, this whole land was divided up into the, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so uh, we don't have those up here on, on this map, but, of, uh, you know, Zebulun and Naphtali, their portion is up there in the northern regions of Galilee. And so Isaiah is prophesying that, again, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, uh, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. Of course, you know, that darkness is in reference to uh, the northern uh, kingdom of Israel uh, that were captured by the Assyrians, uh, of course. And, uh, you know, it was a dark time in Israel's uh, history. But out of that land, out of this area up there is this great light. And this light, of course, is uh, Jesus. And it's interesting that, you know, the, that light doesn't begin in Jerusalem. You know, everything seems to revolve around Jerusalem. But uh, Isaiah, again, prophesies that that light is beginning uh, up there in, in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. And so, uh, again, Capernaum is smack dab in uh, that region. And that's where he's going to set up base. That's where many of his miracles are going to take place that we're going to look at. And this, of course, is a very strategic uh, area, uh, you know, right on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, of course, you know that we're going to see lots of accounts of, you know, Jesus walking on that sea, Jesus going from one side to the other. Uh, this was an area where many important roads came through. And so you've got trading going on uh, from the east and the west. And so many people have traveled through this area. And it's a, it's a heavily populated area. Uh, many Gentiles, of course, and, and Jews as well. And so Jesus sets up base there. And now uh, let's turn to Mark chapter 1. We'll stay in Mark uh, most of the way, uh, the remaining time we have tonight. Uh, because Mark's going to include all of these, uh, these uh, following miracles that are going to take place. And so let's notice uh, starting in verse 21 of Mark chapter 1. And again, Mark is very condensed, very short. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's going pretty quickly, you know, telling us immediately this happens, immediately this happens. And so uh, it's a good section of Scripture to uh, go through because it'll be uh, condensed for us. And again, Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21, uh, we notice this. Okay, so they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Uh, they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him? Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding districts of Galilee. Okay, so Jesus now in Capernaum. 
and you know he he just uh, went about um, you know healing the this young boy uh, before he was about to die, and now he is doing another uh, miracle uh, by. Um, by, by releasing this, this demon or unclean spirit from uh, this individual. Uh, you know, it's interesting that it tells us that uh, this happens on the Sabbath. They are in a synagogue, and um, the crowds are amazed that Jesus, you know, basically he's performing an exorcism, right? He, he's expelling this unclean spirit. Uh, Luke tells us a, a, a demon uh, from this individual. Uh, is this the only time that Jesus is going to deal with unclean spirits in scripture it's not is it it's going to happen quite a bit uh, what do you think the purpose of demon possession was in the first century you know we really don't read about it at all in the old testament uh, but then we get to the gospel accounts matthew mark luke and john and all of a sudden uh, we see it all over the place. Why do you think God allowed that to happen during this time period? All right. This is just another example of Jesus showing uh, his power over, uh, in, in the case of this, over spiritual things. Uh, do demon possessions still happen today? I like to call on the, uh, the, the verse in Zechariah, and you don't have to turn here, but in Zechariah chapter 13, verse 2, I like what the, the prophet here writes. He says, uh, it will come about in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they will no longer be remembered, and I will also remove the prophets and the unclean spirits from the land. You know, so it, it, it appears that, you know, during this time period uh, that we know that uh, God allowed the miraculous to uh, happen uh, so that uh, those who were teaching God's word could confirm the word, could con confirm the truths of God's teaching, that he also allowed for uh, unclean spirits, um, you know, a lot of. There's a lot of vagueness as to, you know, what were the unclean spirits? Uh, kind of the consensus is that they were uh, the, the spirits of evil, or evil uh, men and women uh, that they are now, uh, you know, allowed to uh, roam the earth during this period of time. But again, Jesus always had the ability to overcome them, always had the ability to, you know, use them as an example of his uh, power over those things. And so here we have in Mark chapter 1, this first, again, as I mentioned, an exorcism that Jesus performs by expelling this unclean spirit from this individual. And, you know, if you've ever seen a rendition uh, of, you know, Hollywood, uh, their, you know, their account of an exorcism, you know, uh, it always involves, you know, d dousing somebody with holy water and you know, chanting something and, you know, just a lot of nonsense, right? But uh, here Jesus, all he simply has to do is say those words that he does, be quiet, come out of him. And that unclean spirit leaves uh, the body of this individual. It says it throws him into convulsions. Uh, 
but he leaves him, and the people are absolutely amazed. Right? Verse 27. They're, they are amazed. They're debating among themselves. You know, what is this new teaching? You know, what, uh, by what authority is he doing these things? He, he can command these unclean spirits, and they leave. And the people, again, they are just extremely amazed at this. And verse 28 is kind of the theme of what's going to happen over the next few uh, uh, miracles is that news is spreading about Jesus quite quickly uh, around the, um, the surrounding district of Galilee. It now tells us uh, people are starting to learn about him. People are now going to want to come to Jesus to get healed or to uh, have some more of these uh, miraculous events happen. So let's continue on in Mark, starting in verse 29, and let's notice another miraculous event. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak, because they knew who he was. So, first of all, uh, Simon's mother-in-law. Who's Simon again? Peter, right. This is Peter. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Uh, Jesus uh, immediately heals her of that fever. Uh, in another account, uh, in Luke's account, actually, he says that she has a high fever. You know, we might be thinking, oh, a fever, no big deal. But uh, Luke actually tells us, and Luke's a doctor, so he knows about this, right? Luke says this was a high fever. You know, this was something to be concerned about. And Jesus immediately removes that. From her, and uh, we can tell that she is immediately well because she get up, she or excuse me, she gets up and she serves uh, the, the individuals there in her home. And again, because of that, others began to come to Jesus to be healed. We, we notice in verse thirty-two, when evening came, uh, when the sun had set, when the Sabbath day was over, uh, everyone started to make their way towards uh, Simon Peter's home because they wanted to get to Jesus, and. Uh, Again, we, we mentioned there that it was the Sabbath day, so uh, of course their, their thoughts were that you know, Jesus would not be able to work on the Sabbath, so they wait till sundown uh, to go to him. And uh, look again at verse uh, 34 uh, towards the end, because this again is going to be another theme in these first few miracles. It says that uh, Jesus was not permitting the demons to speak uh, because they knew who he was. Why do you think Jesus was rebuking uh, these unclean spirits and not wanting people to know uh, that he was the son of God? Because the, the demons, the unclean spirits, they knew who Jesus was. Right? They, they said, we know you're the holy one of God. They know who he is. Why does Jesus not want that information out? Okay, because the Pharisees? Uh, yeah, we could probably uh, surmise that, you know, 
Maybe it was too soon for everyone to know uh, because, again, Jesus is just beginning his ministry. Uh, or, or maybe he doesn't, nec- he doesn't necessarily want the first witnesses to be, you know, these unclean spirits. Right. It, he doesn't want it to be or he doesn't want to make it appear that, you know, maybe he's aligned with them. And so uh, he uh, tells them he does not permit them. He shows his power over them not to. Uh, tell anyone who he was. Let's continue in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35, to the next miracle. Uh, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Uh, He said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is why that for that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. All right, so uh, there is a lot of things going on here. And of course, you know, this we see the 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 humanity, the, the human side of Jesus, because uh, it tells us that he has to go to a secluded place. He's tired. He's tired of all these people coming to him, uh, asking and requesting him, and he needs a break. He needs time to go and refresh and to uh, pray to the Father and, and again, to refresh. Uh, I want to read uh, what Matthew says here. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, gives us a little bit more detail. It says, Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So that last account that we just read, you know, mentioned that all the people from around Galilee was coming to Jesus. Well, Matthew tells us that it's not just the people from Galilee. I mean, it's basically this whole section of land. Uh, he refers to it as Syria there in that verse. But this is uh, this is Palestine. This is Israel. This is uh, he says the Decapolis and uh, the regions of Decapolis and Judea. So the word has gotten out. Very early in Jesus' ministry of what he can do, people are coming from all around, and, and uh, you know they want to see Jesus. They want to be healed, right? And so, again, we notice there in Mark's account, we can understand, we can, um, you know, understand why Jesus had to get away for that period of time. You know, he needed to rest. He needed to refresh himself. So. Again, Mark chapter 1, let's pick up back in verse 40 uh, to the next event. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. 
But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Okay, so now we have a leper. A leper coming to Jesus, of course, you know, leprosy was a big deal in this area, in this time frame of this, you know, this very bad skin disease. Uh, you know, the, the Jews knew all about it because, you know, we can look in the old law. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 just has verse after verse after verse of how uh, one must deal with this uh, type of situation. And uh, they, this, this leper comes to Jesus. Uh, Jesus, uh, first off. It says that he was moved with compassion. This is a man that probably has not seen too much compassion in his life, or at least recently being a leper. You know, a leper is going to have to live outside of the city walls. He's going to have to be out there secluded by himself because he can't be around anyone else because of this, this, this skin disease. And so Jesus shows him compassion But also notice in verse 41, what does Jesus do uh, that no other person would dare to do? He touched them. Yes, exactly. Jesus touched this leprous man, this man with leprosy, touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And again, immediately the leprosy left. You know, again, this isn't something that just went away over time, but immediately Uh, It left him. Jesus is showing his power over sickness and disease. And then he tells him again. uh, Well, first he tells him to go in and see the priest uh, because he needs to follow the old law and get the approval of the priest that he is, you know, he's now clean. But he also tells the the, the leper not to tell anybody. Just like he told the demons not to tell anybody who he was. Now he tells this leper Again, not to tell anybody who he was. And why would he ask him to do this? Uh, you know, again, uh, maybe he's just not ready uh, for uh, the popularity that's coming about. And because of that, we're told that Jesus had to go to unpopulated areas in Galilee to, uh, to get away from the people. And so we'll pick up there at Uh, on Sunday morning in Mark chapter 2 with another miracle that he's going to perform. Thank you.